Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 424 being recorded on the 11th of May, 2022 with special guest, Cynthia Crane. Uh, I'm Sudhir and on teams with me, we have Evan and Kale. <laughs> <laughs> It does. Uh, Cynthia is a special guest today. She's uh, she's the expert in terms of new and exciting news. So happy to have her on. But uh, before that, let's just uh, get to the updates. And uh, Kale, I noticed you put a bunch of them. Yep, I got a few. Uh, so the first one's about Red Hat. Uh, for those who are into Red Hat Linux on Azure, um, there's some been some enhancements that's been added uh, to the Azure offerings, uh, specifically around. Um, the Ansible automation platform and uh, some things around Azure Arc uh, for SQL managed instance uh, on Red Hat OpenShift. Um, so there's a nice article up here talking about a little bit about those uh, new features uh, that are available there for those who are running Red Hat in there. There's also some licensing uh, stuff that came along with that, but we'll we'll put a um, note in the uh, show notes and you can read through that. It's got links to go experience that stuff as well. The second one is around, uh, we talked about this a few times. I brought it up on the news a few times about the um, Azure Health Data Services uh, offering that we have there that have been uh, super well received and used for a bunch of different things. And one of the things that there, um, there's a nice article written up here about is around the diabetic uh, foot market around people who have diabetes and how we can basically use some of the data and use Azure Data Services for remote patient monitoring um these different sensors that are happening there to treat people uh who have that uh those problems so uh basically talking about how our azure health data services are um, integrating with that very easily and it talks about some of our partners and even the footwear partners who are integrating with that that service super cool and then the last one is um there's going to be a developer community um, celebration or something um that i just saw announced and this is before uh, um, any of our other bigger events that happen here uh, in the spring. But this one's around Azure Static Web Apps, which we've talked about numerous times on the uh, the podcast. And um, you know, basically, I think it's been a year since GA of that. And this is basically a time on May 19th. So I think that's about a week from now, a little over a week from now. Um, there's going to be this kind of celebration around that. Um, so uh, Take a look at that. It looks pretty cool. There's going to be uh, a bunch of different things that you can learn from, some examples, dev tools, and all kinds of different things. I, I will say I, I was doing something this week. Um, I was working on a, a class internally, um, and I ended up um, I ended up put, pushing the class to GitHub, but I started out with Azure Static Web Apps. So like, hey, let me try this. It is slick. I mean, you're in VS Code. You just do whatever you're going to do. You, you add in the extension. It publishes automatically. It creates the GitHub automation for you automatically you can see the status of the job i mean like the integration with vs code and the azure static web apps all up is really slick i was really impressed nice so i definitely recommend people check it out if they're doing apps that can fit in that model i mean you can do auth i mean everything 
I wonder if there will be cake at the party. And uh, BYOC. 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 Bring your own yeah. cake. Yeah. Uh, hey, come on. Be kind to, to Evan, eh? Yeah. Uh, seriously. <laughs> come on. Well, Evan will bring us all cake. Because he's very kind. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll ship you some. <laughs> Cynthia, uh, you put one that you're particularly passionate about. Uh, I did. So we want to make sure our listeners know that in two weeks is Microsoft Build. It goes from May 24th till May 26th, and it is it continues to be all virtual. So people around the world won't be missing any content, not being able to physically be in a location. And we're really excited about all the information and all the new updates that will come out with a build. Yeah, and they also make it uh, like time zone friendly, right? It doesn't matter where you live in the yeah. world. It kind of feels like you have your own local build <laughs> going for you. Yeah. Well, thanks for all those updates. Uh, so now we'll turn the mic to our special <laughs> guest uh, for today, uh, Cynthia, uh, who is uh, with her, I guess it's part of your new role, Cynthia, uh, that you're uh, you're starting to be like a PM in some of these areas. What's, tell us mm-hmm. more about it. Yeah, yeah, who so, are you and what do you do for Microsoft, Cynthia? Yeah. That's the question. <laughs> I've been in this new PM role for about a year and a half now. I sit in our worldwide customer success unit with a focus on all of the service surrounding developer acceleration. So think of all the past services, functions, app services, API management, container apps, logic apps. I'm sure there are things that I'm forgetting. And from my perspective on a technical strategy side, I try to think of different ways that we can help our field, which is our customer engineers, as well as cloud solution architects to better help their customers. So we put together a lot of artifacts, like the one I'm about to talk about today. We also put together a lot of different workshops and training to ensure that our field is trained up for whatever they need to work with the customers for. And today we're going to talk about specifically is the landing zone accelerator for API management. I can tell you anything to help uh, get familiar with API management is going to help. It's always uh, a difficult uh, service to to get started with. That's been my experience. So I think that's uh, the accelerator. I'm all ears, let me tell you. So how did this come about, Cynthia? Uh, what was the uh, impetus behind it other than what I just said? <laughs> <laughs> what was the, uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, in speaking with customers, you must have gotten some feedback and things like that to help you and your team come up with this solution. So one thing that we've been hearing a lot from customer is that Our documentations are really good for individual services. They're very good for customers that are just starting with a Hello World trial, but there is a little bit of a gap when it comes to what you should do when you're trying to adopt a platform or technology at the enterprise scale. So what you would do for what Evan talked about in a class or a training or a workshop the different considerations you have to think about will be different than when a big corporation like Microsoft is trying to use APIM within our organization, either for customer-facing applications or for internal applications um, 
things that we have to think about will be different. And we're really trying to fill that gap of what are some of the guidances given we have so many customer engineers and cloud solution architects and specialists that have been working with the field. What are some of those best practices that we can take together and package? So Cynthia, what's the difference between like a landing zone and like we've had people on here talking about like our Azure architecture docs and things like that, which kind of lay out like solutions that use a bunch of different services. Mm-hmm. What what is landing zones like fit in with that? Great question. So this has come about starting from if people are familiar with something called Cloud Adoption Framework, also well-architected framework that has been really hot topics for the past couple of years. Cloud Adoption Framework is focused on customers that are newly getting to the cloud and providing really a step-to-step guidance of what are all the things that they should follow in order for a successful uh, deployment or a successful adoption of the cloud. Within Cloud Adoption Framework, we first have something called Azure Landing Zone, or it was previously called Enterprise Scale Landing Zone. These are deployable guidance. So you can already deploy a number of Azure policies, a number of management groups that Microsoft takes a very opinionated approach of, we think this is the way to go. Obviously, you'll have the flexibility to make your own adjustments, but you'll have the bicep templates or you'll have the Terraform scripts ready for you to start and deploy. Azure Landing Zone is focused on the platform, so it does not discriminate against IaaS or PaaS. Anything should apply. What we're working on right now is something that lives on top of that platform. So now that you have the platform ready, we're thinking about workloads. And when we think about workloads, what we're doing with Landing Zone Accelerator is that we put together an end-to-end scenario that centers around a service. And the service we're centering around today is API management. That's not to say we're only deploying API management. We're actually deploying a end-to-end scenario where this API management is fronted by an app gateway to ensure that the API management is internal and that it's not directly exposed to the internet. And for the backend, we also have Azure Functions as the backend which we make very clear for the customers that are planning to use it. They can swap it out for other services like App Service, AKS, what other API hosts that you have that will still connect through the API API management instance. So really to answer your question for these land Azure Landing Zone as well as Landing Zone Accelerator, we're hoping to bake in a lot of the guidance for enterprise-wide adoption. And then we're actually going to put our reference implementation, which will have bicep templates, ARM templates, and Terraform scripts into Azure Architecture Center as well. And along with all the other architecture that are already available on AAC. So, so Cynthia, I think you, yeah, I, I started with a question in my head of like, is this scripts? Is this the, the guidance? Is this content? And you, the way you explain it, it's sort of a mix of both, right? Mm-hmm. Or all of those, right? Um, it, the the one thing that I have found that is consistent about customers is, well, two things. One, um, every customer thinks they're deploying it really different than than everybody else, right? Their their environment or their use case is unique. Um, and then two, that there are always subtle differences here to there. Now, whether they're material differences, whether they're it's you know it's different because you're not following the best practice. That's we sort of won't get into that piece, but I think. It, it sounds like is the intent with these that I should be able to take this template that, that you guys are providing as part of the landing zone, make the couple of tweaks that I need to make to follow my 
you know, general enterprise standards or, you know, whatever else about, you know, like, hey, I have to name my policy, you know, foo instead of bar, right? I can make those changes and then deploy it. And so I'm sort of getting all of your knowledge while still being able to apply my little tweaks, but it still should be something that I can be successful with. So this is the intent is not to create a like a dummy deployment at the end of the day. Like the intent is for this to be ultimately become a real deployment as compared to just a model for one. Is is that am I thinking about that right? You're you're spot on. So I should probably take a step back and explain when we talk about landing zone accelerators, there are two aspects. One is okay. the guidance aspect, which is purely documentation and it gets broken down into different critical design areas. So think through like, if you think about identity, think about security, think about management, mm -hmm. this is how it's broken down. And within each of the design areas, it then has design recommendations, which are areas we feel very strongly about where all customers should be doing. And there's also design consideration, which are more on a case by case basis. Yeah. And right. this is where we really see our technical field come in and shine. We believe that the landing zone accelerator gives you about 60 to 80%. And there's that last 20 to 40% that you will need to customize that would work best for your environment. Right. Okay. And then definitely to your point on the other aspect where we have these templates and these scripts for our reference implementation. The goal is definitely for you to use that as a starting point and then twist it and turn it into the way that fits your environment. Right. So one example that we do, the one, one resource that we do deploy in these reference implementation is a DevOps agent. You may already have DevOps agent in your environment and you don't necessarily need to deploy a new one for each APIM workload and you can just use your existing one or the same for Keyvault. You may have Keyvault mm, ready. Okay. And, and so this is, these reference implementations are meant to be self-contained. So we do deploy all the resources, but because these are infrastructure as code templates, you have- Just change it just a little mm -hmm. bit. Exactly. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Cynthia, you mentioned, you keep talking a lot about templates and scripts and all these pieces that go along with it. Is that, I, I assume these are like open source, right, in GitHub. And so does that mean that people can actually contribute back to them? Or is it more like, no, this is kind of read only. Uh, you guys should take this and you can copy it and you can do whatever you want with it. But what's the situation on the pull requests and like updates? So we're totally open for anyone's contribution, really, because we the ultimate goal for us building out this landing zone accelerator is that it is helpful to whoever decides to use it. And if there are ways that we can make it better, we're definitely welcome any sort of um, issues, feedback and pull requests. And it is on GitHub, and we'll share the repo in our show notes. Cynthia, you mentioned uh, that you're going to um, to publish this. Uh, all these materials are based out of uh, a lot of feedback you got from customers, right? You mentioned something like identity and uh, security. Can you articulate some uh, some specific areas that you touch upon here? You just mentioned one with regard to having that uh, firewall. Uh, not firewall the uh, the gateway in front of the APM, APM as uh, as one one part of it. What are some of the other kind of enterprise or uh, uh, you know uh, special uh, security features that you've incorporated into the solution here? 
So one, another example is we understand that there is a lot of challenge around how you would do DevOps with APIM. There's the aspect of the DevOps for just the infrastructure deployment. There's also the aspect of DevOps for the APIs that get onboarded onto APIM. So one thing that we've done as part of the reference implementation is that we built out some pipelines that we use to deploy our Azure functions as our backend, where people are more than welcome to reuse into for their own APIs or for their own API destinations. So that's another example. Another example would be around logging that obviously there's a lot of, there's a huge importance around how logs are aggregated and also depending on each customer, depending on their industry, what level of logging is required may differ. That's something we would put as a consideration because if I'm in a industry of healthcare or in banking, my requirements may be different than someone in retail, for example. So those are some other examples that we're putting as part of the guidance. Awesome. Do you, so you mentioned this earlier, and I just want to sort of follow up on this um, because I think it's a key um, consideration. So the, we are, the engineering team sort of build these features, build this service, they ship it, right? And they have, they have design criteria in it, and they have a sense of how they want customers to use it, right? And this is just factual, so we're not going to judge this statement, but the reality is Microsoft's a massive organization. We're massively federated in the sense of, you know, yes, the different teams talk, and, the, and we try and drive coordination, and we have, you know, sort of visions for solutions. But at the end of the day, it is individual teams shipping individual things. And so they don't, you know, to your point, they don't always work together or it's not always clear how to get them to work together in sort of the best way. And so you're really relying these, these CSAs, these cloud solution architects that you're relying on to bring their input. These are people that are out there in the field. They've worked with customers. They've implemented this stuff. Like this is sort of not just a theoretical knowledge that they're applying to you, you know, that you guys are using to build these, to build this landing zone. I mean, this is real world experience based on what worked, what didn't work, what was actually successful, what looked like it was going to work and didn't, right? This is all real, right? And, and that is not to say we don't care about engineering input. We're right. actually working yeah. very closely with yes. engineering as well, that they are considered a very important stakeholder in our entire project that it, it's the not, partnership that was what definitely, yes. definitely not yeah. only do we want to get the proven practices we've seen from the field we also want to get the blessing from engineering since they build the product and yeah they to evan your point they definitely have a vision of how they wanted our customer to use apim for instance so um, this first reference implementation was actually after a conversation with engineering as well, where this is one of the patterns that they see coming up a lot. And that's mm -hmm. why we decided to go with this specific uh, architecture as our first reference implementation. So sometimes I wonder, you know, why don't uh, we make these things more default, right? The, the way that we are prescribing it here. This is what we are saying is, you know, the, 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 the proper, secure, most performant, uh, most compliant way to deploy the service, right? Well, well, why isn't it the default uh, posture when we spin up? Why is it that, uh, you know, we have to read all these documents and go to the Azure Architecture Center to figure out 
uh, you know, what the correct way to do it is. Uh, I know I'm, ask, I'm asking you a very politically correct <laughs> question over here, uh, but I just, it's something that just came to mind, you know. <laughs> great question. And that is something we continue to have conversations about. <laughs> of, spirited conversations, right, Cynthia? Spirited conversations. Yeah, of, like <laughs> if we believe that these are the proven practices, how do we make this experience more seamless than having someone go to GitHub, clone the repo, and then set up their service principle as opposed to like, can we reduce the number of steps that they get there and what are the actual parameters that we require from these customers and what are the ones that we can automate away. Yeah, it seems like this would feed itself, right? Like based on the feedback from the field and the real world uh, back to engineering is like, no, 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 we don't, we never do that. Like, why would you ever do that? You know, and uh, yeah, it's an edge case. So let's make the default this. It seems like it would be a great feedback, right? To that, you know. That's uh, that's really great to hear you're doing all of this, uh, Sajid. Thanks for sharing that. I'm sorry, uh, Evan, looks like you had a question. For yeah, today. I was just going to say, I, I'm, have you run into the reverse as well, which is, you know, y'all trying to build these landing zones and, and sort of implementing this to customers. So you're building the landing zone and you go, ah, this thing doesn't exist or this capability doesn't exist in Service X, right? APIM doesn't have the ability to, you know, I don't know set up the service principle. I know it. it's service principle aware. Are, are you are you able to sort of go back to the engineering team and say, hey, this is a feature we need to really take this enterprise landing zone to the next level? Well, I mean, assume that's a bi-directional conversation at that point. Definitely. And there's actually a completely separate feedback process just in general of what our field sees when they're mm-hmm. in customer engagements and having that feedback. That's also one of my responsibilities of consolidating those feedback on a monthly basis and then providing it to engineering um, in a aggregated sense of this feature is requested by X amount of customers. And Mm -hmm. these are the customers that are asking for it. These are kind of the impact it would have for the customer if it weren't, if, if it can be implemented. And that definitely also feeds into us working very closely together. If there are any new feature updates, if there are changes that would affect us, that we need to make changes on our landing zone as well, because a feature may now be available and we won't have to go through the three jumps we used to have to, to achieve Mm -hmm. the same purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's sort of ever it's sort of evergreen, right? You're never mm-hmm. really done with these landing zones at that point. Yeah, okay. and we're definitely thinking about doing additional reference implementation because right now we have one that has the architecture. We're definitely thinking about doing things like multi-region, doing things like self-hosted gateways, um, and that is more to come in the near future. Yeah, I was about to ask you that question. Is like, you know, are there any other accelerators that you're thinking about that you want to share now, or is you'll prefer to keep that uh, under wraps? <laughs> also, there's another landing zone accelerator around app service as well, and mm. that specific reference implementation is around ASP3. But mm. the guidance we've actually split out, if there are guidance that's specific to multi-tenant, or if there's guidance specific to app service environment, we would split it out or else the guidance we provide should apply to all customers that are using app service. So yeah. Awesome. That's cool. 
Thank you very much, Cynthia. Uh, great to hear some of your uh, the work that you do at Microsoft. We don't get to hear about you know your role uh, too much and and all that you do. So appreciate you sharing all that and educating our listeners as well on a very valuable uh, feature which you are releasing. And uh, we'll get the show, you know, the links, uh, put them in the show notes. Uh, is there like a preferred way that uh, you expect users to use it? Would be just uh, reading the docs first or just go and try it uh, by using the templates? Uh, what's your preferred way? I think it really depends on where you are in the journey for Greenfield customers. We want to say that our guidance should be your guiding principle to for your blueprint of what your architecture looks like and then definitely try out the reference implementation and then tweak it to your liking that fits your specific use case. And then for Brownfield customers, we want to be clear that we're hoping these guidance can also bring value to you, that you can you can assess yourself against these set of guidances, going through like, have I followed all of these recommendations and for the considerations, have I thought through all of these and what were my decisions? and really using that as a tool. Obviously, the reference implementation may be of less importance if you have your solution deployed in your environment already, but obviously we would still like for you to try it out for your future workloads or if you're thinking about re-architecting. That, that I mean, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Cal. I was going to say, even that, uh, the documentation would help there, right? Because if you had something already pre-deployed and then you had some design considerations for why you did something a certain way, that would be like, oh, wait a second. We didn't think about that, right? Like, so let's go adjust ours, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was sort of going to pile on that. It, it, can I, so these are templates. These are bicep templates um, or ARM templates or Terraform. Um, can, if I have my deployment out there, can I apply your templates and scripts to my deployment like like sort of like to apply all the best practices or do you not really recommend you do that just because there's risk that we, it might break something that's that's out there like how do i get from because because i think to kale scenario a lot of people are in that scenario where they have something deployed they want to follow best practices what's the best way to, to get from a to b is it really just sort of deploy and compare or can i run some of the pieces against my production I, for now, I would not recommend okay. um, the reference implementation on top of your existing workload. What the approach I would say is definitely take all the guidance and then do like a self-assessment of which ones you're following and then referencing specific aspects of the template yeah. that may yeah. be covering those areas and comparing it to how you're currently doing it. I, so I'll, doing. I'll put it up. I'll put in a feature request and if you um and and I've got some other ideas on how we could do it with Azure Advisor. It'd be cool to if you if y'all can think about extending this say, and now you can run a script that compares mm -hmm. and just calls out all the differences. It doesn't do anything, mm. but it calls out all the deltas against your best practice. And uh, you know, if there's some cool, it would really need to have somebody that's like, hey, here's my enterprise landing template. This knows how to look at that, look at all the settings and, and everything's in sync, but I don't make destructive changes. So I have some ideas. Um, maybe we can follow up after about yeah. how you can do that at Advisor or stuff. And realistically, you should be able to do that if you use something like Terraform, right? So yeah. Terraform has the concept of state. So if you had originally used Terraform and now you take the new Terraform script that Cynthia's team has created uh, and you apply it, there's a way I think you can ask it to do like uh, almost like now a we're all, or something. Now we're all off solving it, right? You got a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I had to say that. <laughs> 
All right, Cynthia. Yeah, thank you so awesome. much. Uh, great job. Thank you. So happy to have you as a guest, Cynthia. It was awesome. <laughs> thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.